In this week's episode, we're taking a hard look at all the hype trains rolling into the station, from the new Scott Snyder title to the money-making machine coming from Keanu Reeves. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back to Cover B. We have a cool week this week. There's three books that were have been insanely hyped for ever for always um since the dawn of time uh and we're gonna talk about those starting starting now do it do it now quick intros are quick um swoosh noctera number one is the first one this is a new book by scott snyder and tony s daniel uh this one popped up on kickstarter they at least kickstarted like a hardcover edition of this which is a running trend with the three hyped books. I don't know if the second one... Anyway, we'll cover that. Cross that bridge when we get to it. Noctera has pitch black vibes. It uh, features a world that has been shrouded in darkness and focuses on the survivors of said world. Uh, you know, for the most part, it's another post-apocalyptic book. It's another story about the world uh, being destroyed by some sort of mysterious, possibly alien, possibly man-made uh, virus and or contagion. Uh, that turns the local wildlife and people into horrible beings called shades, twisted mutations of what they once were that can infect people starting in the gums. Uh, the world is now made up of outposts that are protected by various light sources uh, because surprise, surprise, shade no like light. Um, and we focus on a ferryman, um, the main character is a trucker, basically, who is responsible for getting paid to ferry various supplies and sometimes people between outposts. Uh, and we follow her story. I need more information on things in this book. <laughs> okay. Um, thing, there were just, there's little specific details that I didn't entirely understand based on my real world knowledge of how things work. <laughs> and so I tried really hard to suspend my disbelief because I am what I am, but like the mutation happens within 10 hours. What? What? Mm -hmm. Why the is that a problem? I don't know. It just seems real fast. And like the way that it's depicted in the book is that within 10 hours of everything going pitch black, things started mutating like that. And I'm like, that's real fast for evolution. But we don't know what the context is of the infection. So I need to know more about that so that it makes sense in my brain. And like, they're like, things get bad in the cities first. And I'm like, have you ever been to a city at night? It bright AF. Why did they fall first? I need more information on why I went. Like, there's just things that my brain was like, I don't understand. And I'm not saying that it's, it's not right. I'm just saying I need more. So ultimately, what I'm saying is that I'm interested and I want issue two. So that's what they were trying to do, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I missed the the infection takes 10 hours part. Maybe I just forgot that it part. It was like one little bubble. And it was like, and there started to be infection. It took 10 hours. And I was like... That's so fast. <laughs> Ten hours is really fast. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I missed that. I guess I didn't. I didn't see that. It. I. I mean, I remember where I was talking about 
how the infection progresses, but yeah, I didn't I didn't see the part where it said it only took 10 hours after the initial onset of darkness. Now, it could have said the progression of the virus only takes 10 hours, and it could have been trying to say that, like, from the minute you get infected to 10 hours later, that's how long it takes for you to mutate. But in the position of how it was laid out in the book, it implied that, like... It only takes 10 hours to mutate, and it started the mutation literally 10 hours after the dark set. And so the implication could be off. Well, I mean, I'm sure sure we'll find out more about that when we find out more about what caused the... And that's what I'm saying. Because it's not... I mean, they established that it's not a situation where, like, the sun snuffed out or anything like that. It's not like a world constantly in night. It's a world where something is blocking out the light. You know, it's very um, King and Black. I was going to say it's <laughs> kind of a weird thing coming in the edge of King and Black where that literally happens. Um, but no, this was cool. I like the uh, the kind of society that they've set up and there's all these like other ferrymen and all these other like the people like don these like costumes. Like there's one guy called Spades and he's got like a spade on his costume and stuff. So it's like there's this weird dynamic of the ferryman kind of being like vigilantes Her in their main own way. Hero wears a cape. Yeah. <laughs> she wears a cape and she's got this like visor with like a sun thing on it. And like, it's cool. It's definitely got a very comic books vibe to it. Um, really primed for like a TV series. Oh, like I feel yeah. like this is one of those ones that's definitely going to get grabbed be up. Very into that. Um, but it's cool. It's got a very simple to follow kind of narrative thrust with possible betrayals and subterfuge in the background. We've got an antagonist that we don't know much about, but seems very intimidating uh, and seems kind of gray in his own way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he isn't necessarily just out and out evil. He's kind of got his own thing going. And then we have this dangerous, dangerous world that they've built uh, with a lot of questions left over. But this one is cool, and it's been hyped for a while. A lot of people always, anytime Scott Snyder's like, I've got a new project, people are, it's just instantly on people's radar. <laughs> I admittedly, when I first saw this one, I saw this one when they were doing the Kickstarter of the hardcover. And I was just kind of like, eh. Like, the sample panels they showed, I don't know, I the art style didn't really, like, vibe with me. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. Now, having picked it up and read it... Uh, it's really cool. It's well done. It looks good. The panels are really nice. It's laid out really well and paced really well. Uh, and the world that they've built, I think, is very, very interesting. So I'm excited to see where this one goes. Absolutely. So next on our list is another one that's super hyped, and it's super hyped because it's super heckin' hard to get your hands on. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. Go ahead. <laughs> so this is ENIAC number one by Matt Kind, um, art by Doug Braithwaite. Um, it is from a new publisher, correct? Yes. So a little bit of recent history. Bad Idea Comics is a new comic company coming out on the scene. Um, they had a... A book come out. I don't know to what capacity because I never saw it floating around called Hero Trade. I don't know when. I know very little about it. Um, But this is their first like book as Bad Idea Comics that they're putting out. Now, Bad Idea does not sell to every single comic store in the nation. They still run through Diamond, uh, Diamond, the main distributor for 
for the only distributor for comics. Um, but they, you have to sign your stores have to sign up to be a part of the bad idea collective. Uh, they had a brief sign up window. They accepted, I think overall like 150 ish stores and they had strict rules about their books. So basically a store, whatever they order on the number one issue of a book, they have to order on every subsequent issue. So if a store orders 25 on number one, they have to order 25 on two, three, four until the book ends. Uh, they have to limit sales to one per person. They have to display the book in uh, the most trafficked area in their store. And they cannot sell the book for more than cover price for the first 30 days. And isn't it limit one per person, right? Did yeah, it's that? limited yeah. one per person. Um, <sighs> so that makes this book hard to find. And of course, guess what that means? The absolutely crazy bonkers, super crazy. Oh my God, I bought out my store. Oh my God, I actually am a store pretending not to be a store. <laughs> uh, nonsense on eBay is going absolutely buck wild. So I think last I checked, the first print is. $150. Here's where things get interesting. Bad Idea Comics is refusing to do second prints. That doesn't mean they're not doing later prints. What they're doing is they're doing something called a not first print. They basically, in order to cut down on people trying to like gouge out the seconds and the thirds and the fourths and putting like a limit on their printing of something, they instead did first print and not first print, meaning that the not first print could be printed until the end of time, until the galactic heat death of our universe. <laughs> the not first print could be available. And yet still, there are people selling the not first print for $60 God. on eBay, trying to claim it's hard to find, claim it's hard to get. Even some people that sold it, and it, it's, it's tough because it's literally called the not first print. So I feel like a lot of these sales of that like $50, $60 range of this not first print are probably poor people who saw this book going for $150, saw first print in the title, clicked buy it now, and are later going to realize that they got something that's basically going to be perennially printed and can be reprinted at any point in time mm -hmm. and can have as many of it as buyers. Stores are still able to reorder the not first printing of this. The reason I'm saying this is that do not pay more than cover price for this book. If your local shops don't have it, that's unfortunate. Let them know you're interested in bad idea comics so that if there's another wave of accepting stores, I don't think there's going to be, but if there is, they can get in on it. Mm -hmm. Call around, find a store that's willing to ship you one for $3.99 or a store that's nearby that you could drive to for $3.99. But do not give in to these people that are trying to get $150 for the first print and $60 or more for the not first printing. Don't let them fool you to think that this is something magical. Magical. And on top of that, as I'll let T get into, it's not even that good. <laughs> it's not worth $60. It's barely worth $4. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Now, I liked this book. I think there is a ton. 
ton of potential in this book. I think the the overall storyline is pretty cool. What they're setting up is very cool. However, I once again am having a very difficult time suspending my disbelief because the primary uh, villain of the book doesn't make sense in a in a logical uh uh reality and i think what the problem i'm having with this is that it's not being depicted like this is an alternate reality or this is like this is how this would make sense you're just supposed to accept that this is like the truth of our actual like real mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. and things don't work like that and I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's a cool concept. Effectively, back in the day, during World War II, during the creation of the atom bomb and all of these things, a supercomputer was created to help generate the formulas for, you know, both making the bomb and how, and, and where to put it, where mm-hmm. to drop it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that supercomputer effectively became sentient and became like this huge villain against the entirety of the world to this day. It's been in the shadows. People don't know about it unless you're like high, 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 high ranking officials in, in, you know, government and military. Um, but he is an, an incredible threat. Yeah. And I, I love the concept. I just need more clarity on the how. <laughs> I like how your the summary of your commentary on this episode is fiction. What the heck is that? I know. Well, and admittedly, admittedly, the last book did not benefit from the fact that I had literally read this one, the book before it. <laughs> yeah. And so I had already come in with a like, excuse me, but that's not how life works. Like, yeah. I already came in with a bit of a like, I don't get it bias. Yeah. Um, but. Um. Let me start off by saying, yes, I did not like this book. I didn't enjoy it. Um, I, But that's my personal preference. I don't like to talk about books on the podcast. Like The whole point of this show is that we're recommending books to you. So I don't usually talk about books that I don't kick with. It's right. just, you know, yeah. why, why would I recommend it? The reason I'm talking about it now and, you know, A... There's two people on this show, and one of us enjoyed it enough to want to recommend it. And B, it's just got all this hype right now. And I did want to be able to put a preamble out there to be to let everyone listening know, do not be fooled by this book. It's just another comic. Wait until you can get it. Do not buy it for more than cover. <laughs> right. It's, it's going to come down. You might not get a first print for cover price. You legitimately might not. They had to undersell those stores, got their orders cut by 45%. I think wow. um, it was over ordered. They didn't anticipate the orders because every store was like, cool. I'm one of 150 stores to get this. Let me get a million. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of course. Um, so I wouldn't pay a hundred, give it like a year and you'll get it. Don't worry. Um, yeah, just be patient. You can probably like, I guarantee in like a month, the not first prints, if not shorter, the not first prints are going to start popping up for like cover or maybe like double cover. If you want to pay double cover, fine, whatever. Um, 
but I didn't entirely enjoy this book, but I'm also not really that into kind of just generic action stuff. Right. Uh, this dripped with vibes of like 1990s action films, which That's are great. Valid. And I enjoy those. But this one just try it didn't have that kind of like charming levity that a lot of like right. the 90s, like True Lies and Die Hard and all those kind of guys. Yeah. It's your typical formula, though. It's someone's holding the world or at least the world as the heroes know it at ransom for some reason. A special crack individual, in this case, two people, two women uh, are off because they're the only ones talented enough and skilled enough to be to take this bad guy down and they're off on an adventure to find this bad guy and they're going to go into like cold war politics and they're going to hunt this guy down and meet up with their informants and all this stuff. And sure, it'll probably look great when the movie rights sell and Charlize Theron is playing the main character <laughs> and all this garbage, but it, it was okay. It was like a, it was like if somebody was like, you know what the world needs a gritty G.I. Joe comic that has nothing to do with G.I. Joe. That's what you get. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it very much felt like a Bond film. Um, yeah. I think I think my inherent mild problem with going into issue number two is that what I enjoyed about issue number one and what I often enjoy about these types of books that I end up finding myself disappointed with is that I love rewriting history. I mm -hmm. love when you've got you an entire a historical book. fiction junkie. I do. Yeah. I love historical fiction. So when somebody's like showing the historical experience, but changing it or showing like the gritty underneath that you don't know about or the like things that happened in the shadows and behind the scenes. I love that stuff. That stuff is amazing. And that's yeah. what the 90% of this book was, was yeah. showing the buildup and talking about this villain and how he came to be and all of that stuff. But unfortunately, unless we get more like flashbacks from about the villain and where he's been and what he's been mm -hmm. up to periodically spread out through the next however many books of the series, moving into issue number two is effectively going to be modern day just following these two heroes trying to save the world against this massive villain. And again, then it's going to feel very much just like another standard 90s action yeah. James Bond flick. Well, and that's that's the thing is like for me, the most interesting part of this book was the flashback bits that kind of gave you the birth of ENIAC. Absolutely. Um, And then I just felt like it lost so much of its flavor as they kind of went down the course of ENIAC through the years, um, you know, all the way up to turning him into just like it's it's basically ENIAC is Skynet. If Skynet, instead of having the sensibility of like a pragmatic cold machine that decides that humans are the worst thing for the world, if instead Skynet basically developed Big Boss's personality from <laughs> Metal Gear Solid and decided that war was lucrative, needed to happen, and it needed to manipulate those wars in order to bring peace. Yeah, wow, that's um, pretty much a great summary. And it just like, you know, all the way down to like, ENIAC is Kane spelled backwards. I knew that. I saw it the other day when I was picking the book up. I was like, oh, this is Kane spelled backwards. That's kind of creative. I wonder if that's going to play a factor. So then they, you know, introduce this machine. And I'm like, that's kind of cool that it's like Kane from Kane and Abel, the world's first murderer, like that whole, you know, tale. 
and that's going to have something to do like some sort of significance. And then they literally introduced a counter ENIAC group called Kane. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you took away like all the flavor of the name <laughs> of this character. Basically, yeah. Sick. So I don't know. Uh, it's not bad. If you like 90s action, if you like spy stuff and special force stuff, that's just really, really vanilla that. You know what I mean? Like, you're not looking for, like, spy and special forces mercenary type stuff to the speed of, like, Lazarus, where there's, like, super-powered people and sci-fi and stuff. But you're also not looking for, like, superheroes and things like that. You just want a vanilla action experience. Then ENIAC has you. The relationship between the two main female characters is cool. But we haven't passed the Bechdel test yet, so put a pin in that. <laughs> there's there's potential, but uh, yeah, fair. Uh, we're not there yet, so uh, maybe I don't know. I I don't know. There's potential. I really have to see what they do in issue two. Are we going to get more history stuff? Are we going to get more you know background on the bad guy? Are we going to get more information on the ba the guy that helped create the bad guy like what are we gonna get if we don't and it's mostly just you know these two ladies romping through the jungle trying to kill a giant evil cyborg then <laughs> <laughs> otherwise don't pay more than cover price and it was okay yeah Speaking of generic action fare, Berserker, number one. Um, <laughs> another book that has been in and out of Kickstarter. Uh, honestly, I liked this one better than ENIAC. My biggest problem with this is just that it's been done, and it's been done recently. So Berserker it focuses on Keanu Reeves, who you can't tell me is not Keanu Reeves, basically looking at the meme of himself as an immortal time traveler and going, what if that was a comic and then making a comic about it? Um, <laughs> it focuses on an immortal being who is utilized by a government agency as a soldier uh, to do killings and stuff. So it's old guard or the eternal warrior from Valiant. Anyway, been done. Uh, the benefit of this book is that it does introduce a new character it does, you know, introduce some intrigue. We get a little snippet of when he was born. Uh, there's suggestions like, is he a god? And maybe they'll play with that. So there is some intrigue here. It's not a concept that is new. It's 100% not, it's not a concept that is new. It opens with a sad Keanu meme reference. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I enjoyed that. But then the, the first book itself is honestly just... Keanu, bearded Keanu lookalike, John Wick in a sweater, uh, <laughs> punching people's faces off and stabbing people with rib cages and stuff like that. Uh, if that's your cup of tea. The reason I bring this up is, is it, it's another hyped one that's been on Kickstarter. It is written by Matt Kent and Keanu Reeves. Matt Kent, what are you doing? Really into action movies right now? What's going on? How's Corona been for you? Um, we spent all of Corona watching yeah, nothing just watching but Die nothing Hard. Yeah, just watching nothing but Die Hard on repeat. Terminator. Yeah. Um, it was fine. Very gory. Very action-y. Not a lot of story in this first issue. But kind of a hanger at the end that leaves me at least intrigued to see where they take it. I will be picking up the second issue. But if the second issue doesn't wow me, I don't know if I'll go on from there. Um, 
Yeah. So, you know how every three-minute trailer of a Keanu Reeves movie is Keanu saying one line at a time? And he's saying it like, I didn't ask to be this type of person. And that is effectively <laughs> like... Sure, yeah. That's every Keanu Reeves action, like, three-minute trailer. Don't get me wrong. I love me some Keanu. I'm not hating on Keanu. Yeah, he's an amazing human. But... And he like says things in a certain way, and and that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Every line in this book, I could hear <laughs> said from Keanu. I did, yeah. The I did. whole thing was read in his voice. I did read the finish. entire thing in the voice of Johnny Silverhands. Um, like, there's nothing. I don't know. Like, it was fine. Yeah. I mean, I just felt like I was watching a I mean, Keanu movie. Pick which it. Is I, fine. I love Keanu Reeves. I do. I think he, if there's anybody I want to see have success, I think it's Keanu. Oh, he's same. been through some stuff. He's a nice Absolutely. dude. You know, he's zoic, stoic and zen enough. I mixed that and made zoic. Uh, <laughs> stoic and zen enough to be an interesting person to me. And I think he's just got, I think he's a good guy. Agree. Um, and I give him mad credit for this. I've been talking about this all week. This, in my opinion, is one of the smartest business moves to happen in comics in like a long time. Mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves. I don't know if Matt Kent and Boom came to Keanu or if it was the other way around. I'm right. assuming it's the other way around. I haven't looked into the history of this too much. I'm assuming it's the other way around. So you're Keanu Reeves. <laughs> you hot off of making tons of money off of John Wick. You and know, cyberpunk. You're looking in cyberpunk. You're looking at the world. You just dipped your toes into video games for the first time. And that's awesome. Not excluding like Matrix stuff. I don't know if he did voices in Matrix games, but uh, I know some of the other actors from the Matrix franchise did. Anyway, uh, dipping your toes into major games and now you're looking and you're like comics. Okay, what's happening in the comics world right now? Well, right now, all kinds of comics are getting bought up for their movie rights to be done on like streaming services as series or as movies. Sick. Uh, I'm going to approach a creator that I like or that a friend told me to approach. I don't know. I don't know how into comics Keanu is. I kind of just assume he is. I feel like I've heard him say he's into comics. So maybe he knew he Matt Kent. The type. Maybe he knew Matt Kent from something. He was like, that guy, give me that guy. And he then really you go, you go Matt. <laughs> yeah. You go to Matt Kent and you go to boom and you're like, we want to do a comic. Cool. They green light it. You take that shit to crowdfunding, you get crowdfunded, you get money to make your product off of that, and maybe a little off the top. I don't know how crowdfunding works anyway. Uh, does anyone really track that stuff? We only ever hear about it when somebody like buys a Mustang and moves to Mexico and the game video game never happens. Anyway, just saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is We're derailing. Me me attacking Kickstarter, who I use religiously, is not the point of this rant. Um so, okay, you get it crowdfunded, now you've got your product. You start to get orders in, and you start to get hype around it, you start to get press around it because Keanu Reeves, whoa, Keanu Reeves is doing a comic, whoa, Keanu Reeves. You make the character look exactly like you. And speak and you, like you. You get great artists like Matt Brooks, and, or Mark Brooks, and Lee Bermejo to do covers for this bad boy. And then you put... You go back to Kickstarter to kickstart. Uh, I think they kickstarted a hardcover, kind of like Narterra did. Okay. Get even more production value off of this thing and more hype off of this thing. Boom. Book comes out to like record orders. Like it, this book made tons of money. 
you know, there was like a one in 1000 that Keanu's signing. Oh my God. And he has come out and said, he's not signing any other copies of Berserker except for those one in 1000. So Holy of course crap. every store is like, ah, and just goes all in. <laughs> so there's like hundreds of thousands of these bad boys out there. And sure enough, Keanu then like two days after release gets on an interview and is like, I'd love to play my character. Like, I'd love to play the Berserker character on a film someday. So now movie studios are fighting over the rights. You've given yourself a writer credit, so you're a creator of Berserker. So when those rights sell, you now get... Boom Studios get some. You and Matt Kent get some. And, you know, the artist gets some. Uh, hold on, let me look at my phone so I can give the artist a shout-out. Ron Garney gets some because they he did the character creation. You know what I mean? The character mm -hmm. design stuff. So all of you get some money. So you've now made money off of the sales of the comic as a creator. And you're making money off of the movie rights selling. Then you're going to freaking act in that bad boy. And you're going to get production rights. So you're going to get production rights because you're Keanu Reeves. You're going to act in that bad boy. So you're going to get money for acting in it. And you've just made. And for the end of time, as Berserker turns into a franchise, at any point in time, you can go to Kickstarter and be like, it's like five years later, 10 years later, the last Berserker movie is coming out and you're like Berserker legacy edition on Kickstarter. You know what I mean? <laughs> Holy crap. It's the smartest for the end of time. The Berserker stuff, as long as you want to do it, is going to just feed into each other. The yep. comics will feed into the films or series and the series will feed into the comics endlessly. And all of that just comes back to you. It's genius. Yeah, it's, it's super smart. It's pretty. It's. It's fiscally brilliant. And granted, I don't tend to like I don't claim to know the ins and outs of who gets paid for what in film or comics. But like from me looking on the outside, looking in, this is he just printed money. He just yeah, he just scored big for himself. Preserver <laughs> is definitely going to be made into a movie. It's probably one of those things that will it'll be another John Wick. So there will be like a part two, part three, part four, part five, you know. Well, and he timed it brilliantly. Because he timed it while he was doing, like, I'm assuming the Kickstarter-y stuff was happening and the, like, production of this and the, like, preamble hype of this was all coinciding with Cyberpunk at the same yeah. 2077, yeah. which means as people were searching for Keanu <coughs> because of Cyberpunk, these articles were popping up, which op which doubles your marketing efforts. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. what? How? And Keanu's, <laughs> Keanu's a hot commodity right now. Like, John Wick has been great over the past few years. Cyberpunk was huge and his the new Bill and Ted and Cyberpunk took forever to come out. So his announcement of he's going to be in Cyberpunk, like when he showed up at E3 was years before Cyberpunk even hit. Yep. So that's years of Keanu hype going up to the release of Cyberpunk. And then, yeah, he did a new Bill and Ted. And he's memed out the ass on the Internet. And isn't there going to be like a new Matrix? I don't know. I don't. I think it's that there's going to be like a new Matrix that's dropping the same day as the new John Wick. Like he. No, I don't know. It's the man from a marketing perspective is a god. Yeah, he's kicking butt. <laughs> like it's so brilliant. Berserker. I don't know. I've read things like it. Didn't seem too super familiar. And honestly, the first issue, while being huge, it's a big old issue. Just not a lot happens. It's mostly just Keanu Reeves punching dudes in bloody ways yeah. um but i think there's some intrigue there i'm i am going to pick up issue number two and just see where it goes you know fair yep now for an entirely different change in tone and genre 
Um, this is Demon Days X-Men by Peach Momoko. Um, she both wrote and arted it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and it is beautiful. It is beautiful. It's effectively a retelling or a, a telling of a tale of um, folklore done through remodified X-Men characters. Yeah, it's uh, the premise that they've pitched it is this is the Marvel Universe like you've never seen it before. So it's effectively a story taking place in an Elseworlds Marvel Universe, very focused around like Japanese folklore and samurai stuff. Yes. Um, and we are introduced to varying renditions of some of your favorite X-Men, one of which my favorite being uh, our favorite Wolverine as an unspeaking puppy dog. Mm-hmm. A badass puppy dog. He's a puppy dog. <laughs> I'm a <laughs> puppy dog. Be, and he might be my favorite rendition of Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, truly the best Wolverine has been achieved. He is a doggo. Um, but this is really cool. It's it's cute and endearing and has a good moral to it. And, you know, cool. it introduces cool care and utilizes cool characters that you care about, like a Psylocke and a Jubilee and... and uh, like it, I don't know. Danny Moonstar. Yeah, yeah, Danny Moonstar, and there's like the bad guy is like a venom. Like it's just, it's nice. It's just nice. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's simultaneously recognizable, but also different enough to be refreshing. Yeah, you know, it's just a fun, quick little story. I guess they're doing these in like chapters as opposed to like number one, number two, number three. So they've got Demon Days, X Men. And then they're doing Demon Days Mariko next. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's like T was saying, it's different versions. And, you know, they their names are changed enough to where they're still recognizable, but they fit the tone. So like right. Psylocke is Psy, just S-A-I. And Logan's Logan, which I thought was funny. He's a pupper. Uh, <laughs> Jubilee is Juju. And she's hilarious. And then the one I found funny because uh, Danny Moonstar is in it. And it's very obviously supposed to be Danny Moonstar. But they were calling her Suki. T-S-U-K-I. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what does Suki mean in Japanese? And it's Moon. It's brilliant. So her name's just Moon. And I just think that's cool. It's awesome. And, and it was super cool. I don't know. It's it's also just sort of like a very endearing tale. Like, it's it doesn't go too hard. It's not overly violent. It's yeah. not, you know, dark and twisted. It's just like everything's very bright and positive and it's about you know living with your neighbors respectfully on land and sharing the world and you know i don't know it was just nice it was a nice change of pace <laughs> yeah it was just an easy little quick fantasy story with beautiful art yeah it was, it was, it was, it was lovely. cool yeah well done well i'm done. excited to get more of the demon day stuff i think it's gonna be a cool world Agreed. to exist in so ready for more of that yeah uh finally i wanted to talk about a book uh out of dark horse uh this is dead dog's bite uh this one had mad uh i want to say i feel like i compare too many things to twin peaks (laughs) but it had mad twin peaks vibe it had it actually had mad and you know what scratch that it had mad life is strange vibes without the uh like time shiftiness the That's characters true. and their dynamic and the dynamic of the small town where stuff's going on and someone went missing. Uh, and that's the focus of it. We follow a 
teenage girl as she is lamenting her friend who has gone missing. She's been missing for three days. Uh, the town is holding like a candlelight vigil for her, and she's just trying to find out if people are doing enough to figure out where this girl went. Mm-hmm. Seems like it's going to be a tale about being a teenager in a small town. It's going to be a mystery and have its own sort of mystery intrigue to it. And it's just generally freely well-written. The dialogue is is very well done. There's like really hilarious moments without having to do that thing. Like too often when stories are set in a small town, they get a lot of their levity out of just making people like super weird. Yeah. And the people in this book are weird, but for anyone who's lived in a small town, it's like the exact kind of weird you just kind of get, you yeah, know, it makes like sense. there's characters that we just recognize, like the nerdy couple where one of them's way extra too passionate and their passion way outweighs the passion of the other yeah. and frightens them. And there's like the overly chatty pharmacist who just keeps like making dumb jokes and laughing at them and like constantly going back to the same story over and over and over again. And, you know, the bombastic mayor who, you know, is a great showman, but not really that great of a mayor. Not a whole lot of it's characters that we recognize, but they're just very well done. It's got a lot of heart to it. And I think it's going to be a cool book going forward. Uh, And the main character is awesome. I love her. She's like a mix between uh, what was the what was the character from Life is, Life is Strange? I forgot their names. There's Max and Chloe? Chloe. Chloe. So she's like a mix of Chloe and then like Daria. Yeah. <laughs> and a little and it's good. Velma. Yeah. Yeah. A little Velma. It's good. I like it. Tyler Boss is the creator. I think he did the writing and the art in this. Uh, and it's just another cool kind of neo-noir with a little bit of a mix of, you know, indie coming of life type vibes to it. Uh, and I just I think it's going to be a fun book. It's interesting, too, because they drop some subtle things that, you know, aren't off the top. Like, oh, is this a red flag? But it is kind of a red flag when you, like, do a little research into it. And so there's like. You're suspicious of kind of everyone because, mm-hmm. like, even your pro tag, you're kind of like, hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're suspicious of her because you kind of get the vibe she's suspicious of herself. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just a really cool and like they do subtle stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to tell you what it is. Yeah. But like, if you don't know something in this book, look it up. Yeah. Because it means something. It even it has matters. like yeah. <laughs> it even has a bit of a like surreal almost postmodern approach to at times the comic itself knows it's a comic. Yeah. You know, and they utilize the lettering and the word bubbles and the way they present the narration, which normally narration is just this loose thing, but they have a very specifically chosen style for some reason. Very um, twilight zoning. That leaves a lot of questions. Uh and it's it's neat. It's cool. This is a cool book. It's cool. I'm, I'm excited to see where they go with this. Yeah, me so. too. I agree. 
All right, well, that's going to do it for us today. Yes, we do have three that are going to be popping up as uh, honorable mentions, so check yes. that out tomorrow. Yes, we will definitely get that up tomorrow. Um, until then, if you want more Cover B, you can find us on our website, coverbepodcast.com. And while you're there, Let's click see. on that merchandise button up at the top and go get you some cool, cool merch. Yes. It is fresh. It is new. It is sick. Mine is coming in soon. We've got hoodies. We've got socks. We've got T-shirts. We've got all sorts of cool stuff. So go get you something. Um... We are also in social media on Facebook and Twitter at Cover Me Podcast, so definitely go and follow us over there. I've been doing a much better job of keeping us updated on the reg, <laughs> so there's actually things happening, and it's news and, you know, fan art and funny memes, so go check that out as well. Yeah, and until then, until next week, we bid you adieu. And we'll see you on the next episode <laughs> of, of Cover Me. I don't know. I thought I'd be more majestic than a normal. <laughs> it was quite regal. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't know where to go after we bid you adieu. I was going to try to dive into like a Vincent Price type, like, look to the shadows. You really need like it. it. The problem is, is that we're a podcast because you need just a very deep bow. <laughs> <laughs> bid you adieu. Now imagine that I'm curtsying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll see you for more Cover B next week. Bye.